Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people. Welcome to our show. Anyone who want to learn about video marketing, welcome. Today we are going to discuss many things that concern creating great content, video content, lights, camera, action, many other things. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Alex Miner. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. I love your background. <laughs> you know, it looks professional. I see you have a high resolution screen. So Alex, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you and about your background, this high resolution screen that you have right now. Well, I run a company called I Am Media. We're a video marketing and podcasting agency, and we work with small businesses, service-based businesses, coaches, consultants, nonprofits to help them create content that's going to help you know, the world understand what it is that they do and why they're the best at it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Alex, I want to ask about one aspect that I think it's very important in marketing, especially in video marketing, about creativity. You know, it's hard to be creative, but if you don't provide something new, I think uh, users are not interested to consume your content. And it reminds me, for example, when I ask my friends about a new movie, the most common reply, nothing special. I watch a lot of similar movies. It's not creative. Can you tell how to become creative in this extremely competitive video marketing field? Well, you got to work at it. A lot of people think that creativity is just something that you get struck with, you know, it comes down from the heavens and just bites you on the butt one day. Creativity is, it's like a muscle. It's something that you got to work at and you have to make it a habit to exercise. Like the greatest writers, the greatest poets, the greatest actors, the greatest singers, songwriters, they don't just do it when the inspiration hits. They do it when they don't even want to do it. Um, I have a history in music and the dudes that I know who all actually made it or were able to make a living off it were the dudes who did it every day, regardless whether they thought about thought that they wanted to do it or not. They treated the studio like it was the office. So if creativity is something that you prioritize, you've got to do it a lot um, and not just when you feel inspired. I like to say inspirations for suckers. Because if if that's what you're waiting for, you're going to be waiting for a long time because inspiration doesn't come around that often. Yeah, it's not overnight success. I remember a great, uh, great advice from Mr. Beast, and he told you need to film a hundred bad videos. You now, so if you want to build these muscles, you need to film bad videos. Uh, can you tell how, <laughs> for example, if someone started completely from scratch? And I remember when. I filmed my first video that was uh, in Russian language and, uh, you know, I got the feeling for me it's better to break my leg than to film this video, you know, uh, <laughs> I was so shy, you know, but after filming a lot of bad videos uh, without any engagement, without any results, I got experience how to do it better. So can you tell how to build these muscles? You mentioned you need to build your well, muscles. It's exactly what you said. When you're first starting, nobody's watching and nobody cares. And that's a great position to be in because you're in a judgment-free zone. And you can go ahead and get your reps in. And like you were saying, Mr. B said, you can get all those bad videos out until you start getting to the good videos. See, a lot of people are afraid to start and suck at it. 
as soon as they start and they suck at it, they want to stop. But the expectation that you're going to come out the gate batting 100% is it's just unrealistic. So if you give yourself that time and that space to get it wrong, to stumble, to, you know, grasp around in the dark to figure out how to actually do this thing, then you can start building good habits and, you know, figuring out your systems and how you like to present yourself so that when people start finally getting hip to what you're doing, you can present yourself in the best way possible. You got to give yourself time. Nice. Yeah. Valuable. Uh, let's talk about patience. You know, if you need to spend this time and for example, uh, Mr. Beast, yeah, he filmed like, uh, if I remember correctly data, uh, he spent 18 months, uh, to get the first thousand subscribers. So mm -hmm. a lot, you know, an year and a half, but most content creators give up after filming a few videos, uh, according to data, <laughs> because they can't get results with the first one. I have no idea how to do it. It takes time, you know, to get this experience. Uh, can you tell about patience, how to become patient during this way when nobody cares about your videos, when you spend time crafting content, sharing ideas, probably valuable ideas, but nobody cares. Any tips about patience? Well, one thing is that, you know, you, you got to kind of look at creating videos and putting that time in, you got to look at it as an investment in whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your larger goal is. Because even if people aren't paying attention now, the content that you're creating, especially if you're putting it on a platform like YouTube where content can live for a long time, it has a compounding effect because once somebody does discover you and then they want to start diving deep, well, now you've got a whole library of content that they can dive through and eat up that you may have been putting together for years. And so it that gives you a big advantage because not only does somebody, you know, they discover your recent content, they like you and they want to know more. Now when they go to discover more, there's actually more for them to discover and you have more of an opportunity to turn that person into a raving fan or to have that person, you know, really start to see you as an expert because it's like, look, I have all these receipts. I have all this content that I created over this span of time. And that just helps solidify you in your position as an expert or as a professional doing whatever it is that you do. So you really want to go ahead and create this content and, and be creating it for the person who discovers you in the future. Like it's not necessarily for the person who discovers you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask about sales funnel. Um, okay. Uh, for example, be uh, someone decided to film videos and uh, it takes time to get results. But anyway, we need to cover sales funnel to think about our customers. Even if you get a million views, it doesn't mean that you can sell your products with that. So can you tell how to connect sales funnel and create content for your customers? Well, I'm not the best person in the world to ask about sales funnel. That is definitely not my area of expertise. I've, content creation is my area of expertise. But the way that you can start tailoring your content for your sales funnel or for your customer journey is to actually talk to your customers. Uh, a lot of folks, they tend to output a lot. They don't take a lot of input. So when you're doing your business, as you're serving your customers, ask them for feedback, you know, ask them where your service could be better, ask them what features and benefits that they're looking for, you know, gaps in your service that that they want filled. 
um, ask them about their experience going through the buyer journey and start to create content that helps, you know, fill in some of the gaps uh, and really try to create content that is in line with each step of that process. So to me, if, you know, cause I'm a video guy, if I'm creating content for a buyer journey, I want at least one video for every step of that journey, you know, for when they first meet, for when they first discover me, when they decide to dig a little deeper, when they want to hear uh, social proof, you know, testimonials, client stories, things of that nature. When they want to know more about the process, then I have then you should have process videos like figure out all the places along the journey that people would have questions and then answer those questions with the content. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you are video guy. Can you uh, lead guys who are not video guys uh, uh, when you know for example when i cooperate with companies uh, they usually tell me they need to to do many things i mean like to develop innovate products uh, to create content for facebook i mean like uh, text-based content uh, can you tell about uh, consistency and discipline uh, for people who have many other responsibilities, uh, but they need to start filming videos from your experience, how to share this time with video content? Well, one thing that you got to do is you got to make it as easy on yourself as possible. So if, mm -hmm. you know, you're a small company and video is a thing that you know is a good idea for you and for your larger strategy, but maybe you don't have a dedicated person for video production, uh, one thing that I suggest is creating a setup that's always there. So like, for instance, I'm in my office. I have a camera that's always on my desk. This camera is one of my production cameras, but it also can function as my webcam like it's doing right now. I have a lighting setup that's already always there. So, you know, I tell Alexa to turn on the lights, the lights turn on or I flip a couple of switches and I'm ready to go. Uh, whether it's a live stream or whether I want to record a piece of content like this. And also I have the option to, if I want to change up the look a little, I can just flip. I got a tripod. I can throw the camera on to put it in a different part of the room and change up the background. Uh, so I reduce the friction in getting set up or being prepared to shoot a video by always having those tools in place. So if you can create a setup that's always ready to go, that's one less thing that you have to think about. Just turn on some switches, hit a couple of buttons and you're in there. Um, then I also tell people that you want to not create every time that you need a piece of content. You want to batch create. You want to set aside a day or a couple of days each month that are just for creating the content, maybe like writing out scripts and things like that or brainstorming and planning. And then you want another day where all you're doing is recording the content so that you're not having to think and record on the same days. Like that can just be too much. It can be very overwhelming. So, you know, chunk it down into pieces and make sure that you're doing more piece, more than one piece of content at a time so that you're maximizing your time investment. And then uh, the most time consuming part about creating any video content is going to be the editing. If you're doing content in such a way that it needs editing, if you're doing something like live streaming, well, then obviously you don't need any editing. You're doing it live, uh, which is one of the benefits of live streaming. But the bad thing about live streaming is that you got to be Johnny on the spot. And a lot of us are busy. We got you know multiple things going on. You don't always want to be 
strapped or or locked in to having to show up at a certain place at a certain time, which is why batching and pre-recording content is such a great uh, strategy. But if you do like the live streaming, go ahead and do that. That you know, you get your permanent setup, you do your live stream. When it's done, it's done. You're done. Mm -hmm. And even then, if you want to repurpose that content, then you should hire an editor so that you don't have to do all that. I mean, I can tell you, I just got done a month of nothing but editing. I've like, how many videos do we do this month? Uh, uh, We did somewhere close to 100 pieces of content for clients this month. Uh, And and I'm sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I beg you outsource your editing because that is the that is the fastest way that will that will burn you out of creating content. I mean, even for my personal content that I create for my personal brand and for the company, I have an editor that does that. I don't want to do it after doing working on client stuff all the time. So why should you? Yeah, good tips. I agree. I agree. And uh, for example, I usually uh, I, I have a team of editors who can uh, edit my content. I have them in Ukraine in my company, but uh, I think uh, you can outsource on many resources, even Fiverr. Uh, I don't recommend Fiverr to buy. No, links, I don't but... recommend Fiverr either. And for, <laughs> no? for and, and look, there is a possibility that you can find decent editors on Fiverr. The reason that I often don't recommend the people run to Fiverr is because the majority of the time when you're dealing with editors on a site at like Fiverr where the bar is usually pretty low, those are the type of editors where you have to hold them by the hand and walk them through the entire process and tell them exactly what yeah. to do at every step. Um, if you don't and you leave them to your own de- their own devices, most of the time you're going to get back a result that's less than satisfactory. The reason that you know my clients work with me or you know similar people work with other companies that are in the same vein as mine it's because we can take more initiative we come up with ideas we can make suggestions we, there are certain you know tasks and and deliverables that we can help with where they barely have to say anything to us. We just know what's going to work because of our experience. And we can take care of that for you. We do the heavy lifting because my goal as part of your content creation team is to, to make you do as little work as possible. And, but that's why you're going to pay a premium is because we're making it so easy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I agree. I, I usually get great results with experts who know the topic. I don't find them on Fiverr. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's better to order less, but quality. You know, so you don't need to film a hundred videos. Film one video, but with great experts. Well, well some people talk about, there's a lot of back and forth on the internet about quantity versus quality. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to get caught in the quality trap. And what I mean is that quantity will eventually lead you to quality because another aspect of the whole quantity versus quality argument is that, you know, you hear folks talk about quality content, quality content. You need to make quality content. You don't actually know what quality content is until your audience tells you what quality content is. So you need to put enough content out there to give people something to judge and to start getting data points back. You know, 
likes, comments, emails, DMs. You need feedback from the audience to tell you what's actually working and what's not. And once you start getting that qualitative and quantitative data, then you can make better decisions about what content to produce in the future, what content may actually move you towards your goals, what content is going to resonate with the type of uh, audience or buyers you're looking to engage with. But until you put out enough content, you don't have any of that information. And a lot of folks will give up on content creation in general and video specifically because they'll put a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of effort, a whole bunch of money into one piece of content, put it out there or one ad, put it out there. It doesn't do what they wanted it to do. They don't see sales start pouring in instantly. And then they'll be like, ah, it doesn't work. No, you just didn't do enough. You didn't try enough things. You didn't experiment. You didn't throw enough things at the wall to see if one stuck. If you only throw something at the wall one time and it misses, it doesn't mean that you can't hit the wall. It just means you missed that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Gary Vee shares the same tips. And that's why Mr. Beast asked to film 100 bad videos. So if you can film 100 uh, bad videos, you can build your muscles. And then to pay more attention to quality. So he filmed a lot of bad videos. You can open his YouTube channel <laughs> to analyze uh, all his videos in the beginning. He didn't remove them, but today he can film like a video a month, but uh, to invest $4 million because he has resources. So if you right. have this confidence, if you have this uh, experience, then you can pay more attention to quality. But it, it depends on the platform, by the way. For TikTok, I yes. think it's better to film as much as possible. You know? So yeah, uh, for, for videos a day, if you can, why not? Just do it. And you know, I wanna ask about retaining audience. I remember another advice uh, from Mr. Beast and he told if you retain your audience plus 10%, then YouTube can recommend your video uh, 40 times more. So 10% mm -hmm. can improve uh, recommendation in 40 times. It's a lot. So can you tell how to do it, how to retain uh, the audience as much as possible? Because according to data, 80% of users leave video content in the first 20 seconds. Any tips about that? Right. So you'll hear a lot of people talk about hooks and things to like try to catch people's attention. But once you catch people's attention, now you've got to keep their attention. And that means you have to figure out what's relevant to them, what's going to keep them interested. And once again, that goes back to putting out enough content to start getting these data points. Because if like, for instance, YouTube has the best analytics of some of these platforms, um, they give you a ton of information. And one of the things that they will give you is a graph of retention time. They'll tell you when people start clicking away from your videos. So once you put out enough videos and you can see, well, okay, let's say the majority of people are leaving your video 25% of the way through, you've got to start going to that point in, in your videos and saying, what was I doing here that made people leave? Like, was it, did I just go to a talking head? Was there no B-roll here? Did I take out the music? Like, what did I do consistently throughout these videos that is making people leave after 25% of the way through? And once you start figuring that out, then you start changing one thing at a time until you start seeing a different result. And it's, it's, a, it's a constant experimentation process. Uh, and But you've got to have data to work with to make 
good decisions and to create new good experiments. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, let's talk about one aspect that often uh, is ignored. I mean, like to be in, uh, to play yourself, being yourself. You know, I remember when I spoke with my son and he told me, why you are filming this bad content? Uh, nobody cares about this digital marketing. You need to film about soccer, <laughs> about many other things. Uh, he's 12 years old. So um, yeah, of course, my audience is different. And uh, what uh, I, I found, it's not only about my son, because uh, he's young. Uh, I got this trap as well when I started. I tried to copy others. You know, to pretend to be someone else because I didn't have experience to film any content. Can you tell how to be yourself, how to stay yourself? Because if you copy others, you can be a bad copy. I can't copy Mr. Beast. I can't copy PewDiePie. Um, I'm pretty sure they can't copy me as well. <laughs> but anyway, tell your methods how to tell your customers to be yourself in videos. <laughs> well, I actually don't think there's anything wrong when you first start with mm -hmm. copying certain things from other creators or other influencers. That's how you learn as just as a human being, we start by copying things that we see, but over time through copying things that we see and figuring out if it's a good fit or not, we'll start to see what we like, what we don't like. And then we copy other things. We add on, we adapt, we integrate, we iterate. And so there's nothing wrong with when you're first starting copying someone else, but don't, go into copying somebody with the intent to stay a copy. It's just to figure out a process, how to figure out how to do something, how to figure out if this is for me or not. And over time, the more that you do, you'll start to figure out your own style, your own likes, your own wants, and you'll inject, and you should be injecting more of yourself and your original ideas into your processes and into your content. Because part of doing the content is not only to attract the right folks to you, you want to repel the wrong folks from you. Mm -hmm. So to me, content creation is both a qualification and a disqualification tool. So the people who really resonate with you, they love your vibe. They love the way that you present your information. Um, they're going to be the ones that are those inbound leads, the ones popping up in your DMs, the ones sending you emails wanting to do business. But anybody who doesn't like what they see, that's great. That means you never end up in my inbox. I never have to deal with you. I never have to have you be a bad client. And that's yeah. why I love creating content. It helps with all of that. Yeah. I want to ask one more thing about my son. It's interesting. Uh, he started post uh, to post content on TikTok and uh, he stopped. I asked why and he told me because uh, of getting negative comments. You know, because <laughs> he got first haters <laughs> and uh, he decided that he's not good with that. I don't know who can be good in the beginning. Can you tell some tips for my son and anybody else who cares about negative uh, comments, haters that don't like your content? Uh, I have no idea why they waste time. If they don't like, just find another content, other offers. That's okay. But uh, to leave negative comments, um, yeah, it's a bad idea. So any tips about uh, that? Well, that goes into mindset, and that could be something that can be really difficult. 
not everybody's got a thick skin. Not everybody can just brush off the negativity. Some people are sensitive to that stuff and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with not liking negativity. I think most of us should not like negativity, right? But it, 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 but sometimes it can be hard to distance yourself from those negative contents because negative comments because when you're creating content you're taking a chance you're putting yourself out there you're opening yourself up to judgment and most human beings do not like being judged and when the judgment comes back negative usually the first reaction is to pull back and it's completely understandable but if your goal is bigger or more important than the judgment, you got to press on. If your goal isn't bigger or more important than the judgment, nothing wrong with stopping. But in a business context, usually your goal should be bigger and more important than the judgment. Um, now, can depend on who the judgment is coming from. If it's from, you know, exactly the type of clients that you're trying to cultivate, well, then maybe you need to tweak your messaging. Uh, but if it's from competitors or people who were never going to buy your product anyway, then that's probably stuff that you should ignore. And you got to you just got to try to develop a mindset where you can put a little bit of distance between you and the content, because there's always going to be somebody out there who can find a way to view whatever it is that you're doing in a negative light the internet has just empowered people to be like that. And we all probably know somebody in real life who's a negative Nancy or just somebody who always wants to bring down the mood. And what do you do with those people? You stay away from them. You ignore them. You, you know, you, you cut them out of your life because you don't need that type of energy. And, and with social media, um, you know, there's, there's always a block button or there's always an unfollow or, you know, you can curate your experience. Yeah, yeah. By the way, some haters uh, don't unfollow. They follow <laughs> to keep leaving these comments. <laughs> and hey, he, uh, he put my content higher <laughs> up in the feed. Please. But, but guys, you need to understand it helps you to grow. Even if you get these hating comments, you can increase your organic reach. You know, so people well, leave comments. That, another way that you might want to look at it is that good content or successful content is probably going to be polarizing. It's going to make people want to take a position either for or against. And that's actually what you want, because if you're creating content that the majority of people are just like, eh, okay, you're missing the mark somewhere. You want people to have a, a reaction, whether it's a, a strong good reaction or a strong negative reaction, or I should say a strong positive reaction or a strong negative reaction. You want either one of those two. If somebody's just like, eh, cool story, bro, then the content didn't really do its job. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, for someone who is sensitive, you can use approach from uh, Seth Godin and he shares that he stopped reading Amazon reviews of his books since 2011, more than 12 years. He's one of the best marketers ever, but he didn't uh, read these reviews because of negative comments. <laughs> no, so, uh, and he explained about that. He doesn't want to know if someone uh, dislikes his books. And he mentioned, for example, uh, Harry Potter, you know, uh, John Rowling. Uh, if you open Amazon, you can find 
2% of people uh, rank this book is one of the worst written ever. You know, this book means <laughs> billion dollars, you know, a billion people love this book, including my wife and son, but uh, 2% can rate like one of the worst uh, ever book written. So yeah, don't care about haters, just leave, forget about them. You're sensitive, don't read comments, but um, it's better to read, it's better to reply. But uh, for example, if you can't, you can hire someone who can do it instead of you, <laughs> you know, to share what comments you can read, you know, uh, to be less sensitive about that. And uh, Alex, I want to ask about call to action. Um, okay. Can you tell, yeah, how to do it, how to add call to action in video content, uh, especially if this video content is going to get uh, high organic reach? Sure. So a lot of people overthink the call to action. And really, it's just giving the audience some type of instruction. And it doesn't have to be a big ask. Uh, and and, so, and there's debate, but you know, between marketers and gurus about if you need a call to action at all, if you should have a call to action in every piece of content. I am more of a subscriber to the 80-20 rule. I think that 80% of your content should have a call to action. 20% maybe you just don't because of whatever reason. But the reason that you want to have calls to action in your content is because you want to get the audience used to you asking for something. You don't want it to come out of left field when you finally ask for a sale. So the majority, and again, 80-20 rule, the majority of your calls to action shouldn't be asking for the sale. They should be asking for something simple. Hey, like this video, respond to this question, leave a comment, send me a DM. You know, those sorts of things, things where people, if they're engaged in the content and interested and, you know, there was something captivating about it, they'll want to complete that action. They'll want to hit the like button. They'll want to leave you a comment. They'll want to answer the question. They'll want to vote in the poll. Those are very low cost asks, but you want to soften them up by continuously asking for those so that when you finally say, hey, we've got this product or we've got this sale or I've got this offer, it's not such a big deal for them to go look at it and maybe actually buy because they're used to doing things for you. And, and the other things that you've asked for have been so low effort, so low cost that when you ask for something a little bit bigger, it's like, okay, well, I like this guy already or I like this lady. Let me go see what they're talking about. And then you may get that sale. Nice, nice. Alex, uh, let's talk about mistakes. I, I usually do a lot of mistakes. I made some terrible mistakes, some of them slight mistakes, but I can learn from them. That's okay, you know, to get this education like this. So can you list mistakes that we can avoid? For example, if someone wants to jump uh, on this field, I mean, like to film uh, video content, can you list mistakes that it's better to avoid in the beginning? Uh, yeah, in the beginning, I would I would try to steer people away from trying to just freestyle their content, you know, just throw up a camera, go off the top of your head with no preparation. Most people can't do that right off the bat. That's a skill that you have to learn that comes from experience. So I would tell most people when you're preparing to do video content, uh, whether it's just stuff for TikTok or Instagram, social media, make yourself at least some bullet points, make yourself some notes so that you have kind of a guide and at least the beginnings of a structure to the content that you're trying to create. 
Um, I would also say going into content creation without a well-defined goal is a mistake. So really, when you want to start creating this content, you have to sit down and ask yourself, why? Why are you creating this content? What is it you expect the content to do? And how is the content that you're creating specifically supposed to inspire somebody to take those actions? If you can answer those questions, you'll be a lot more focused in the content that you produce instead of just you know, making whatever comes to your mind. You gotta, you gotta go in with some intentionality. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Uh, we, uh, discussed about TikTok, about YouTube, but on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, even threads, new platform, you can add your video content. Can you tell how to find the right channel and the right format, uh, according to this channel? Because even on TikTok, we can film. 50 minutes videos and uh, I know some companies film long videos and get success mm -hmm. with that so they don't copy uh, uh, short plain videos that are trending on TikTok they have success with long videos so give your tips how to find the right channel how to repurpose content and how to find the right format <laughs> Well, that, that's a whole lot to unpack there. but yeah. I, I'll say it's it starts with being willing to try them because uh, some people sometimes people make a decision that we're just going to do this channel because that's what it is and that's all we're going to do and that may be the wrong choice because you may decide oh because we're b2b we're just going to do linkedin linkedin for the style of content that you want to make or the the type of buyer you're trying to cultivate the audience you're trying to build that might not be the right venue for you you might have better luck with a podcast you might have better luck with youtube um it, it really depends so you got to be willing to do a little bit of experimentation now i'm not saying you got to fire on all these platforms at once it can be try one out for three months see if you get anywhere and then maybe add another one or Uh, if it's just really not working at all, then you can switch gears and go in on another platform. But don't put all your eggs in one basket. I would say like I, I would say you need to master at least two platforms so that in case one does go down one day, you got another one to fall back on. Uh, if you can manage it to be on even more platforms, that's great. But I caution everybody to do as much as they can without it negatively impacting their business. So don't go all in on social media and all that stuff and not be able to fulfill the work that you're supposed to be doing. Like that's not, that doesn't make any sense, you know? But as much as you possibly can without it negatively impacting your operations, definitely try to do that. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, Alex, let's imagine you started today from scratch. You have now this awesome background, your experience, anything. It's your first day in video marketing, but you have the goal to become the best in one day, to become an expert who knows how to go ahead, how to get results with video content. What will you do today if you start from scratch? If I'm starting from scratch, um... The first thing I'm going to start doing is studying the folks who are killing it. So, you know, whoever is I, whoever is right now who I want to be like three, four five years from now, I'm going to study their content, see what's working for them, how they format it, how they put it together, how often they're distributing their content, what platforms they're on. And I'm going to figure out 
what they're what they're doing that I can manage to do. Um, the second thing that I'm going to do is sit down and figure out how to maximize uh, the technical quality of whatever it is that I already have at hand. So if that's my camera phone, how can I get the best quality out of that? Um, you know, how can I get the best audio out of that without killing myself and without having to run out and buy a crap ton of stuff? Uh, because like I said, the thing that you want at the beginning, you want ease and you want speed. So you want to create as much content as you can, as fast as you can, so that you can get your reps in, get it out and start getting feedback so that you can make better decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask about something that it's a regular tool, tool not like uh, uh, trending about AI. Uh, and uh, I think AI is, uh, is a regular tool, for example, when I write text, uh, when I edit text. But what about video marketing? I think AI concerns almost all niches and uh, how we can use or adapt AI today in video marketing. Well, there's a lot of tools uh, that are either in development or already been developed uh, mm -hmm. in the video space. So when it, when it comes to creating content, so if you're editing your videos with Adobe or with CapCut or with uh, Descript, those tools have AI components built into them for transcription, for helping with your captions, um, some for even repurposing the video into different formats. So there's a lot of tools right now that are getting AI components added into them or new tools that are being built out to completely uh, help with content creation on its own. There are different web-based platforms that are for repurposing long-form video into short-form video. There's different tools out there for like the captioning and and cutting up stuff. There, there's a lot of stuff out there, even for um, you know doing analysis of the content and then creating other content out of it, like you know, analyzing the, the speech in a video and then creating a blog post or writing emails based on the content that's in there, or even just giving you a breakdown of what's in the video content so that you can then make decisions of how to repurpose it. Uh, and, and some of those are things that are being, that are already built out. Some of those are things where you have to give it a prompt to get those results, but it can be done and it can be done yeah. way faster and easier than we used to do it. Nice, nice. And my final question about the future. Uh, I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and forecast the future. What kind of future will be? Because AI is a regular tool, but probably augmented reality will come. We don't know, virtual reality, many, many other things. But I think people love video content today. It's growing. Uh, so your forecast about the future and how we can adapt to this possible future. Well, Unfortunately, I think the future is going to be filled with a lot of mediocre content. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because with all the AI tools and platforms that are coming out now, a lot of people are just trying to let the AI do all the work. And that's going to lead to a lot of content that doesn't hit the mark, feels the same, feels disconnected doesn't invoke emotion, 
uh, and, and doesn't help people really reach their actual goals. It might help you be more visible just because you can create more volume, but it's going to be pretty bad. Uh, and the tools are going to get better. They're going to get better at picking out certain things and helping you with, you know, chopping up videos and making micro content and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you're going to need some sort of human influence in there for helping with the curation, for helping keep the goals on track, for helping craft the larger story and overall strategy. Uh, although some of these some of these AI tools can help you with developing strategy. They can. Uh, you just got to You got to ask them the right questions, though. And that's where that human piece comes in, too, because to get the most out of the AI tools, you still need some human input. Uh, the the t the tools aren't going to come up with it on their own. Like you, you've got to give them the right prompts. You got to ask them the right questions. You got to give them the right parameters to get the results that will actually make an impact. And the folks who can figure that out are going to be the ones who make all the money. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Alex, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. I love it. So valuable. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Uh, best way to reach out to me or follow me is probably going to be to find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Alex Miner, and I'm usually the first one that pops up. Nice. Guys, you can find the link in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. By the way, if you open LinkedIn account that I did it, uh, you can see that Alex top videography voice on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Great achievement. So, guys, uh, please uh, follow Alex because you can see a lot of value. Reach out to him and, yeah, cooperate with experts because if you want to grow your video marketing, if you want to get high results, it's better to cooperate with experts. Okay. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.